Napoleon Bonaparte, the French emperor, had dreams of conquering the world and transforming the entire Mediterranean area and Europe into one center of French culture. His army crushed one country after another, and, like Alexander the Great, the French emperor believed that the East would open the gate to the rule of the world. He himself led his troops into Egypt, past the pyramids and the Sphinx, and followed the trail of the Jewish people into the Holy Land. At the same time, Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, the great-grandson of the Baal Shem Tov, was visiting the Holy Land to study and learn from the teachings of the Arizal and many other tzaddikim and tamid chachamim who had lived in the ancient cities of Sfas and Tiberias. There, Rabbi Nachman, who would become the Rebbe of a large group of chassidim called Breslov chassidim, the Rebbe spent many hours in solitary contemplation and learning, filling his soul with the spirit of true worship of Hashem, with which the very air of the Holy Land is filled. One of his favorite places to meditate was the Besachim in Svas. There, amongst the tombstones, he felt closest to the tzaddikim who had dedicated their lives to the study of God and the secrets of creation. One night, after he had been davening, he lay down to rest his head for a few moments on one of the old matsevas, and he fell asleep. He dreamt that he saw an old man dressed all in white. The old man asked him to interrupt his meditations and go to Lake Tiberias, where Hashem had assigned a very important task to him. Rabbi Nachman awoke with a vivid recollection of his dream. He immediately returned to the place where he was staying, packed his belongings, and left Sofas. He traveled to Lake Tiberias, rented a small house, and waited by the shore to see what would happen. Meanwhile, Napoleon's army was feeling rather restless. The great British admiral, Lord Nelson, had won a great victory over the French navy near the mouth of the Nilus River and had cut off the line of supplies that were supporting Napoleon's army. The French emperor himself was lucky enough to escape from the English. He set up his headquarters on the opposite shore of Lake Tiberias to where Rabbi Nachman of Breslov sat and learned day and night. Napoleon was very worried. Rumors of plots and disorders in France had reached him, and the morale of his troops was very low. Without food or money, they had taken to looting and harassing those who lived in the small towns and villages on the shores of Lake Tiberias. One day, a group of French soldiers burst into the homes of the fishermen on the shore of the lake. Rabbi Nachman's own landlord was an elderly Jew who spent his time reading Tillim and lived from the little bit of money his son earned with his boat and nets in the lake. When the French soldiers entered his hut, 
and demanded all of his money and valuables. He told them that he had nothing. The soldiers did not believe him and ransacked his house from top to bottom. Enraged over their failure to find anything of value, they seized the old man and shook him and beat him, and they demanded in a loud voice that he tell them where he had hidden his money. The old man begged in a broken voice, Please, leave me alone. I have nothing to give you. But this only maddened the soldiers, and they beat him more mercilessly than before. The pitiful cries of the old man reached Rabbi Nachman in his room. He rushed to the rescue of his elderly landlord. As he entered the hut and saw the poor fisherman at the mercy of the brutal soldiers, he called out in a commanding voice, Take your hands off that old man at once. The French soldiers were astonished to see before them a frail-looking young man. They wondered where he came by the courage to address them in such a way. Oh, so you want a beating also, said one of them. Come here, young man, and take a taste of our belts. Their leader was a rough-looking fellow who stepped forward to seize Rabbi Nachman. But as soon as he looked into the eyes of the young Tamit Chacham, he was unable to move. His two commandments watched in astonishment. They wanted to help their leader, but they found themselves rooted to the spot where they stood, compelled by the gaze of Rabbi Nachman. Now, empty your pockets, give everything you have to this old man to compensate him for the brutal treatment you gave him. The three bullies emptied their pockets and put all of their coins in front of the old man. Now, pick up the old man and place him gently on his bed to recover. The soldiers obeyed without a word. Now be gone, and don't ever come back and bother anyone on this lake ever again. Without a word, the three marauding soldiers left with their heads hung in shame. When the three soldiers returned to the French camp, they told the story of the young scholar's courage and extraordinary power. They exaggerated the story of what had happened to them in the poor fisherman's hut, and soon the entire French army around Lake Tiberias was whispering stories about the power of the young rabbi. The story even reached the ears of Napoleon himself, who was embarrassed by the daring of a Jew to resist his troops and to give them commands. So he ordered his officer in charge to investigate. As not a single French soldier had come near the Jewish community in Tiberias since the incident, the local Jews were very surprised to see a high-ranking French officer walking through their narrow streets, up the hills, and down towards the shore where the fishermen lived. He was accompanied by two subordinate soldiers. When they reached the door of the hut, they stopped. The two subordinate soldiers were two of the gang who had attacked the old man. They showed the high-ranking officer where the house was, but they were reluctant to go any further. The officer understood and entered by himself. The old man was lying in bed, and at his side sat a young man who was tending to the old man's wounds. The officer guessed that this young man 
must be the rabbi about whom all of the French soldiers were speaking. Are you the young fellow who dared to resist French soldiers? asked the high-ranking officer. I merely told your men to stop beating an innocent old man, answered Rabbi Nachman. And who are you to judge the acts of French soldiers? asked the officer. There was no justification for the brutality of the act which I witnessed, replied Rabbi Nachman. Besides, I think that the motives of your soldiers were quite obvious. The French officer was impressed by the inoffensive yet firm demeanor of the young rabbi, and he began a lengthy discussion with him. Rabbi Nachman's deep understanding into the problems which were bothering Napoleon and his knowledge of world politics and military strategy in general amazed the officer. He acquired a very real admiration and respect for the young Jewish scholar. And soon he returned to the headquarters and reported his impressions to Napoleon. One moonlit night, Rabbi Nachman was sitting on the shore of the lake, immersed in his holy meditations as usual, when he was disturbed by an unusual sound. He looked up and saw a boat approaching, manned by several soldiers. The boat approached the shore, and a passenger, accompanied by an aide, stepped from the boat. Rabbi Nachman stood up. Welcome, your highness said Rabbi Nachman. How do you know who I am? asked Napoleon, for it was indeed he. The Taita gives enlightenment to the eyes of its followers, replied Rabbi Nachman. Napoleon spent some time speaking with Rabbi Nachman and was most favorably impressed with him. Having convinced himself that Rabbi Nachman had a deep grasp of world affairs, along with very sound judgment, he asked Rabbi Nachman to advise him as to whether he should continue his trip through Asia in his attempt at world conquest, or should he return to France to settle all of the internal problems there. After thinking for a few moments, Rabbi Nachman answered him, I see a great future before you, your highness, but not in world conquest. Go home to France. Cultivate your gifts in your own country, but have no illusions. Whatever heights your star will lead you, you should know that bloody careers end in blood. The product of strife and war is never peace. History is not made by humans, but by divine providence. Napoleon, while awed by this worldview, still felt the unquenchable desire for glory and victory on the battlefield. So he made his decision on the spot. For me, said Napoleon, it's better a short life of glory and honor than a long life spent in peace. Rabbi Nachman replied, Each man must choose his own way of life. But don't forget, even the hearts of kings are in the hand of God. Before Napoleon left, he tried to induce Rabbi Nachman to become one of his advisors. But the rabbi told him that he too had chosen his way of life. I seek neither honor nor glory for myself, said Rabbi Nachman to Napoleon. But I daven to Hashem that I may serve him humbly with all of my heart, with all of my soul, 
and with all of my might. Thus the two great men went their separate ways. One became the mightiest emperor in the world, but for a short while only, before he was exiled to end his life alone. Rabbi Nachman also did not live very long, but in his short life he reached to the greatest heights of faith and spirit and became the beloved leader of many thousands of Jews from all walks of life. His grave has become a destination to which many Jews have made pilgrimages for many, many years.